With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Off Day Podcast with Andy Hart and Chris Shime on weei.com. Back here for another Off Day Podcast. I'm Andy Hart alongside our new co-host. I don't know how long I'll say new for, but Chris Scheim, morning show producer of The Greg Hill Show on WEEI. And we are in the midst of uh, free agency and trades and just NFL offseason. Oh, I awe. love this time and of year. It's tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. We'll start with the Patriots because, you know, we're pretty much a Patriots podcast, although we will have plenty of discussion about some of the major quarterback uh, moves and non-moves that have happened in the last 24 hours or so. But we'll start with J.C. Jackson. It's official. He was not franchise tagged by the Patriots. Although, I just want to clarify, that does not mean he's necessarily going to hit free agency. We still have a few days here where if the sides were so inclined, they could reach a long-term deal. Chris, any chance that J.C. Jackson's back with the Patriots, or should I just move on and say it's time to start figuring out what plan B is? Well, I, I believe Phil Perry said that there's a chance that he could still come back and sign a contract with the team. So um, you're saying there's a chance? I, I think there's still a slight chance because Belichick is, it, it, it has historically been proven that Belichick likes, likes to let guys go and test the market. And if they're not getting as much as or way more than Belichick was offering, they sometimes come back. You saw it with Edelman. You saw it with Hightower. Sometimes guys don't come back, though. They do sign other contracts. And so there's a good chance that he gets offered a lot of money. Phil Perry indicated that uh, he wants somewhere. Rumors had been that he wanted Jalen Ramsey money. Phil Perry stated that he wanted around $18 per, which is a contract you and I talked about before. Like four for 72 is that 18 per sounded about right. That sounds good. Um, apparently doesn't seem like the Patriots wanted to go that high, though. So I guess we're going to kind of see how the market dictates. And with a lack of cornerback depth in this open market, and in my opinion, some questions in the draft when it comes to the cornerback play, uh, I-, I think that J.C. Jackson could get that money and maybe even a little bit more. Like, I think he's going to get. He is Mr. INT about to get paid. And he should. He's earned it. Absolutely. He's played well. And he's stepped up when he's needed to step up, answered the questions about being a number one corner, not just, you know, cleaning up the sloppy seconds of Stefan Gilmore. Uh, you touched on something that I wanted to touch on is there seems to be kind of a conflicting view of the cornerback market in free agency. Your boy, I'm going to call him your boy, whether it's your boy or not, Bill mm-hmm. Barnwell, calls it deep, thinks there's a lot. He did a rundown where he had stars and then starters and regular contributors, and he listed a boatload of guys. I look at it a little different. They may start, like Jalen Mills was a starter. I mean, Miles Bryant was a starter. But I'm talking about true starting cornerbacks in the National Football League. I don't think there's a ton on the open market. I think that's going to drive values up and affect the Patriots' ability to maybe do that mid-level, lower-level veteran signing. We've talked about Hayward or something like that. Um, So I personally don't think it's an overly deep market. I think you're kind of scrambling as you get past uh, and one of the guys that's, you know, maybe the value or veteran, like whatever you consider Stefan Gilmore, I, I, I feel like, yeah, he might be an, an option for 31 other teams. Wouldn't think he's really an option for the Patriots. Agreed. So you lose JC, Stefan Gilmore, not an option. I can't really see them going the same way they went a few years ago when we're talking about Butler and they go out and get Gilmore. We're talking about Jackson. They go out and give a big contract to Davis from from Tampa. I don't really see that. So now you're swimming in more the shallow end of the cornerback pool. And I just wonder how they're going to piece this together. And I know super fans, the Fitzies, the Thorntons of the world will tell me, oh, Belichick's done this 
10 times over his career. He's let a corner go. He's found another corner. Agreed. He's done it a lot. How's he going to do it this time? How quickly can he do it? And how much of a uh, painful transition process <laughs> is there going to be? I have my doubts. Yeah, I, I do too. I just I don't see an option here. I just don't, I don't see it. And if if there is one and he does find it, well then Belichick strikes again, and I'm proven wrong, and that's why he's the greatest coach of all time. Right. But until that until that comes to to fruition, I, I just I don't see how they maneuver their way out of this one. So we should just real quickly we'll go over it. If J.C. Jackson is indeed gone, if he gets ninety plus million, whatever it is on the open market, your cornerback depth chart. Number one, I guess, by default, is Jalen Mills, who some of us thought wasn't really even planned to play corner. The idea to bring him in as an extra safety, versatile guy. So he, I I guess, is your number one corner. You're banking on Jonathan Jones coming back from injury to be your slot corner. And then I would argue that the number two cornerback spot is wide, the F open. Um, You have Miles Bryant, who showed versatility as a safety slash corner, although he also showed the ability to get toasted by Isaiah McKenzie. (laughs) Joan Williams, the disappointing second-round pick, who showed the ability to get toasted by pretty much anybody that wants to toast him, has not developed part of the reason you're in this uh, debacle. And then Sean Wade, who I think a lot of people want to hold out hope for based on Ohio State. Oh, he was going to be a first-round pick. Oh, this and that. But we've seen nothing from him to yeah. really indicate that he's an option. And even the scouting reports are, at his best, he's a slot corner. Well, okay, we got two slot corners and not enough outside corners. That's not exactly ideal. So the cupboard is apparently bare, I keep saying. You know, there's no there's no J.C. Jackson. You know, there's no Butler. There's no Asante Samuel. Some of these guys that have come up the ranks and assumed the number one role after being in the in the background – I mean, unless Miles Bryant has a massive year three jump or Joan Williams has a massive year four jump, I just I, I, I don't really see it. Yeah, I don't I don't either. I don't see a lot of talent out of these guys. This this backfield seems awful to me. I just I don't I don't know what they've been doing, I guess. It's it's like they they had Stephon Gilmore. He covered up all your flaws. You had J.C. Jackson. He helped cover up a lot of your flaws until you met the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs, uh, and then they scored six straight times on you. So that that worked out great. I just I don't see a lot of talent in this defensive backfield, and to have to redo your defensive backfield and your linebacker core just seems daunting to me. And on top of that, you're that's only one side of the football. Like I, this. Andy, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you my hot take here. Oh boy, I, I've is, been cooking. Is this, this the one, one I've been teased a number of times? Yes. And you used it on the Greg Hill show. And yeah. You, you bring it to us, and it's organic. I have not heard it. Correct. I, I used it as my lead on the Greg Hill show this morning. It brought oh a lot of ire from the text line and the Twitch chat, and a lot of Uh-oh. people. Gresh yelled at me on in between shows. Um, I am under the impression that I think this year, especially after this is in the fallout of Russell Wilson now being a Denver Bronco, by the way. Yes. Uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, we will. Um, but it, it, with all of these things kind of in play, I think the Patriots kind of need to hit the reset button this year. I, I think it's kind of a tank year, right? Whoa, like, whoa, yes. whoa. T? Yes. T word? I, I, I didn't use the word tank in my lead. That was more of a wiggy thing, but. Are you a Stephen Ross fan? My, my word, <laughs> my word is How more much so. We pay in here, <laughs> yeah, right. My word is more so just reset. Like you need a full reset year. You haven't really had one since Tom Brady left. Like the Cam Newton year. Like you kind of thought you were going to be winning at the beginning, but it seemed more of a bridge year. Last year, sure, you made the playoffs, but you might have overachieved a little bit because then you got absolutely slapped around in that first round of the playoffs by just a a clearly superior team. Uh, I just. I am, and, and and now you lose J.C. Jackson. You don't have a lot of talent in a lot of essential positions. I think cornerback is brutal, right? And defensive back in general is just a massive question mark. Your linebacker core you need to completely replace. You need receiver talent outside of Kendrick Bourne. Uh, you need something more out of Johnu Smith, otherwise that signing looks dumb. And I still have questions about left tackle being Isaiah Wynn. I don't love that. So... Right now, and like this isn't an anti-Mac take because I'm looking at question marks outside of the quarterback. I think quarterback and defensive line and 75% of your offensive line to me are fine right now. I think you're good. But even you look beyond just the roster, look at the coaching staff. There's so many questions still there. Like 
Is Nick Cayley going to be good? We don't really know. It's kind of an exp- it can be an experiment year more so for Bill Belichick. And I think you should want to go six and eleven, be okay with five and twelve, get a top ten pick or right at that ten spot. Even if you go seven and ten and you get that tenth pick, and you get it's that's the difference between getting a guy like Micah Parsons and a guy like Zayvon Collins. And I think that can be the a, a difference maker for the Patriots down the road and allows you to kind of hit the reset button, really kind of figure out what you want to do with your money, look at the free agent market in 2023, and maybe make big, big moves there when the cap explodes. On top of your rookies from this year's draft will have grown a year. Mack will have grown a year with his new offensive coordinator, whoever that may be. And if Nick Cayley stinks, it's more reason for Belichick to go to Alabama, call up Bill O'Brien and say, hey, I'm going to give you the Josh McDaniels money that he was just making. Please come be my offensive coordinator. So I think the Patriots are at a, at a massive crossroads here. And I think with all of the power, there's seven or eight teams at least that are all better than you right now. This is the perfect time to hit a reset button and get ready for 2023. Okay, so I'm digesting it. I'm going to flesh it out a little bit here. Please. And I don't totally disagree. The only thing I disagree with is the, um, I guess, the marketing campaign, the packaging of it. Uh, I wouldn't consider it a tank year or a reset year. But I would also say it's not an all-in year. And it's part, I, I think you and I are on similar pages. It's part of why I have talked about Really, 2023 is the next time I think this team could compete. 100%. Because I think this offseason and next offseason, you have to be smart. You have to work in conjunction. It has to be sort of a two-step plan. If you screw up this year, I think it'll screw up next year. I I think you have to be really kind of focused on, on the process. I know that's a cliche in all of sports here, trust the process. But I do think this is a multi-year process because of the as you articulated, combination of questions slash needs and then the assets and your ability to maybe fill some of those. And I just think it's it's a bridge too far, quote unquote. And that's why I've been talking about like, yeah, it doesn't bother me if I draft Jamison Williams and he's not really available this year. That might actually benefit you. As you said, you draft Jamison Williams and let's just say he doesn't play this year. It's a longer rehab. You get to November and you're like, what's the point? Don't put him on the field. I still think in 2023, I'm getting an elite number one receiver. Yeah. There might be some rust. And oh, by the way, if he's not on the field this year, is it the worst thing in the world if I maybe lose a toss-up game here or there? No. Nope. My draft pick goes up five spots, four spots. So I actually think the 2022 season is going to be not quite as um, dramatically bad as maybe you, you think it could be or that they should make it that way. But I think it's a blending of 2020 and 2021 where it's it's that fine line between winning and losing and are you a you know seven win team or are you a 10 win team because of a couple games going here or there and I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world and you're right certainly picking a little bit higher in the draft next year would not be terrible you know they were 15 last year 21 this year if you're up near 15 13 next year that could be a benefit also benefit Contracts could come off the books. You mm-hmm. could be out from underneath, say, a Nelson Aguilar. You could start to figure out how you're going to get out from underneath John U. Smith if he doesn't have a year to jump. So you're out from Nikhil Harry's first round contract. Nikhil Harry gone. Like I and, and maybe in a two year span. And this is something I want to get into. We talked a little bit about last week. These the idea that uh, Dante Hightower, Devin McCourty, and Matthew Slater all want to come back. Well. Whether you've moved on from them or not this year, I certainly think you're moving on next year. And there's like a different uh, mentality or maybe core of leadership. And, you know, Duggar and Phillips, maybe they have taken over. And you can use 2022 to prepare those guys so that when 2023 hits, those guys are ready to take over. And and prepared to be leaders. And you touched on it. Obviously, the entire AFC changed yesterday when the Denver Broncos acquired Russell Wilson, who... I don't care what he did last year coming off the injury or what you think he is. Still he is a Hall of Fame top five quarterback. Yes. That is what he is. I, I've seen him over the years. I think he's been underrated because over the years, A, he has a defensive coach. I don't think he's always had the best offensive coaching and plans. Agreed. B, he's, the offensive line has been an issue off and on for his entire career. Very the running so. game has been an issue off and on for his entire career. I will say he's had decent weapons, especially since he uh, developed quite a rapport with Lockett added Metcalf but I think you know first 
Certainly one of these times this isn't going to work. We've seen the last two years. Brady goes to Tampa, wins Super Bowl. Stafford goes to L.A., wins Super Bowl. I think the expectation because of that in like your SAT logic, well, Russell Wilson goes to Denver, they're going to win the Super Bowl. Maybe. I wouldn't rule it out. I don't know that it's likely, but he's also not a, a, a make-or-break, all-in type addition. He's 33 years old. He's got, worst-case scenario, five years in Denver. Yep. Best-case scenario, 10 years in Denver. Oh, yeah. Right? Somewhere between that, you know, 38 and 43, his career could end. So with the young weapons they have, the good defense they have, they do have a new coach, which I think adds a different wrinkle that Brady and Stafford. An offensive coach, too. Right. But it, it adds a wrinkle of transition that I don't think Brady and Stafford had to deal with necessarily. Yep. Those coaches and systems were in place, and then they blended it with Brady. They blended it with Stafford. This is going to be guy coming in with system, quarterback coming in with thoughts, Weapons that are returning, how does that all blend together? But the reality is, they're ahead of you. Mm-hmm. They are now ahead of you in the pecking order, if you're the Patriots. And I said it yesterday, it's not ridiculous to think, now I don't even know how it works out mathematically, I need like somebody to do it for me, not ridiculous to think that the AFC West has four playoff teams, and the other three divisions are just division winners. Absolutely. I, I now, mean, that's absolutely in play, because you look at the entire division, I mean, the Raiders are probably maybe maybe marginally better than you or on par with you. Every other team is better than you Correct. in that division. Now, I will say, Chargers need to prove they're a playoff team. Agreed. Like, they, you can only get by on great quarterback, great offense, this, that. How come you don't make the playoffs? And Brandon Staley needs to prove he's not a total boob. Right. And it was funny because I saw something about, like, you know, Josh McDaniels talks, avoids rebuilds timeline, and I'm like, rebuild you're a playoff team like he's a little bit like Patricia going to Detroit they're a playoff team like he doesn't this isn't a rebuild this is take us to the competitive level level in the postseason yes you know so but you know you look at that and the quarterback play in the AFC where you have Josh Allen in your division you have that division which has three I would say elite quarterbacks and the fourth that is borderline elite in Mm -hmm. car or really good um, so there's like challenges along the way. You still have Tennessee who, and Indy. I mean, beat your ass last year, even with Carson Wentz at quarterback. Right. Who do they get at quarterback? Who do the Steelers get at quarterback? Because I think the Steelers could be a pretty competitive, good football team. Last year they had, you know, an anchor in in Ben Roethlisberger. Yes. What if they get a productive quarterback? And Baltimore, um, Lamar Jackson's going to be healthy again. And that team was eight and two, by the way, before he got hurt. And they were the second most injured team in football. Uh, I was going to say his injuries were the least of their problems. They had no running backs. Their defensive uh, stars got decimated. Like they. If they if they are healthy, they are certainly a legitimate contender. And you also always have the wild cards that are Tom Brady and Deshaun Watson. What if Tom Brady ends up in Miami next year? I don't. What if I'm Deshaun not saying Watson it's likely. ends up in Miami? <laughs> what if Deshaun? Well, but what if Deshaun Watson ends up in let's say Pittsburgh and Tom Brady ends up in Miami, or Tom yeah. Brady ends up in Tennessee and Deshaun Watson's in Miami? Like those are two more teams that could suddenly leapfrog and be like considerably ahead of you at the quarterback position. So. This idea, I know, I I think a lot of Patriots fans had unrealistic hopes and expectations coming into this offseason. Yep. Because last year was so active and last year was so good. They spent money in free agency and they drafted well. So everybody's like, well, let's spend more money in free agency. Let's draft well again and we'll take the next step from, you know, playoff team to real contender. The gap's bigger than that, though. It is. and, And the changes and the holes and the coaching and, like, there's a lot of issues they need to overcome. Now, I'm a firm believer that if you had a lot of ifs, no matter who you are, any sport, any business, if you have a lot of ifs, a lot of que- you know, you write down your list of ifs or questions and it's like 10 deep, well usually you go 5 and 5 like on average, like yep. 5 turn out okay and 5 turn out for the negative. Agreed. But if you go down all the list of the Patriots questions and needs, if they only go a 50%, well then they're probably not that good of a football team. No, they probably like need nine to go eighty percent. Yeah, and, and so and my big thing too is is like uh, all these people are telling me, oh, they just need to get themselves an elite receiver, and then Mac will take off like Josh Allen. And I just I, I don't. Th- that's not going to solve all your problems. Even if Mac played twice as good as he played this year, that doesn't just all of a sudden make you a Super Bowl contender, right. especially with how many questions there are between your offensive coordinator and your defense. Like I. 
I just I don't see uh, you cannot expect to ever stop Josh Allen with no linebackers and no corners. And that means that Mac Jones doesn't just have to be twice as good as he was. That means he has to be exponentially better than what he was this year. And and, and that is far too much to ask any second year quarterback. So I it, it, everybody just assumes that because I'm an anti-Mac guy Hater. that it's that it's a hate on him take, but this take has nothing to do with the quarterback position. Well, like, it, it's got a little something to do okay, with it. Sure. Because if the quarterback were Russell Wilson, if the quarterback were you know Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, you'd say, well, you have one of those guys that covers up a lot, that's going to overcome. Yeah, but then you need to sell out and try and maximize that window. But this guy, he, he, he could get better. There's that, there is that potential. He could get much, much better. Right now, he is not at that level, regardless of what his name is, whether it's Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whoever it could have been. He is not in the upper echelon of quarterbacks yet. So you cannot sell out for something that is simply potential or possible. You have to you have to bide your time until you know exactly what you have and you have to build at other spots. That's what teams like the Rams did. They built at other spots and then they're like, Goff's not our guy, we'll go get the quarterback because that's the only thing we need. Well, you think you have the quarterback, so now start building around him. But you cannot sell out for to win a Super Bowl when you know that there's at least seven other quarterbacks in the conference that are way better than you. And I think there's two other factors at play here. One is that I think this puts a ton of pressure on everybody in New England. And maybe most of all, Nick Cayley slash play caller. Yeah. Because you made the playoffs. You managed Mac Jones and the offense last year. You could be just as good but miss the playoffs because, as we articulated, the Broncos are better and maybe the Chargers make it. Whatever it happens, you miss the playoffs. You're a nine-win team, eight-win team, whatever it is, you miss the playoffs. People are going to compare and say, well, boy, did they miss Josh McDaniels. You know, they, they, they couldn't develop Mac. They couldn't even keep up. Well, maybe they're just as good and they don't measure up to the competition. So I think there's pressure there on Mac and Nick Cayley and the offense and the changes to you have to not only be as good as you were last year, you have to get to the playoffs. You have to compete with the Russell Wilsons and the New Look Broncos and these other teams that are out there. And then the secondary factor, the the Broncos are now a team, like some others probably, that they they could get kind of the Brady bump. And the, the guy I bring up, I know everybody's like, oh, Gronk could go to the Bills. Well, if you're Gronk and they just traded Noah Fant and you're looking at the Broncos and you're like, they could easily turn it around and be a Super Bowl contender – isn't that a team you'd consider on a one-year low-money deal? Not yeah, low right. money, but market value. Like, And th- those teams benefit when they get these quarterbacks. We saw it with the Rams. Odell goes to L.A. Von Miller goes to L.A., right? We saw it with uh, Fournette and Gronk and A.B. going with Brady to Tampa. Patriots aren't one of those teams right now, in my opinion, where a veteran free agent is going to say, oh, I'll go there a little cheaper than I normally would because I'm going to win a Super Bowl. I could no, I think people are smart and look at it and say, they're an okay team, and if you pay me the most, I'll go there, and we might make the playoffs. Look at last offseason. They had to pay top of the market for all of their free agents, basically. And I think they still do. I don't yeah. think they're in that window of seen as contenders, whereas Buffalo, Kansas City, Denver, I think they are in that. And then you get guys like Gronk or these other vets. You know, Bobby Wagner. I don't know what his market's going to be. But let's just say Bobby Wagner's like, I can go to New England. They need linebacker help, but I don't know how good they're going to be. Or I could go to Buffalo, Kansas City, or Denver. They're offering a little bit less money, but I got my money. I already made my money in Seattle over the last decade. And now I have a shot at a Super Bowl. Right. I can go collect a ring. Yep. So I think that's part of you know what's at play over the next few weeks and months via trades and, and free agent interest and things of that nature. Uh, news. Kyle Van Oy. We talked about him. As of right now, he gone. Patriots uh, accumulated just under $5 million in cap space by releasing Kyle Van Oy. Um, I will be interested to see what his market is. Uh, I wouldn't completely close the door on a return. Um, you know, I, I asked the question to myself and actually to Mike Giardi via text. Like, if he's going to return, why wouldn't you just do a restructure? But there's always the possibility you hit the open market, you see what's out there. Maybe somebody blows you away and still wants to give you a Miami-type deal. I doubt it. But if that doesn't happen, we all know he's been more comfortable and, and as productive as anywhere in a New England defense. So um, 
I don't rule out Kyle Vanoy being gone, but for right now, he's gone. Do you like him being gone, or would you like to see him come back on a cheap deal? Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this on the uh, on the last episode. I, yep, I'm fine with him coming back on a very cheap, like veteran minimum kind of deal. That's fine with me because uh, I think he was probably the best linebacker you yep. had last year. Um, so, I, and and I, in my in my head, you needed to keep one of the two veteran guys, right? It was either Hightower or Van Noy. Try and keep them for low money as you usher in the new age of young athletic linebackers. The older guy is there to show them the way and prepare them for the future. Again, another reason why I look to 2023 instead of 2022. And, and then and then they're done after this year. That's kind of how I was figuring it. So. In my head, if your plan is to have Dante Hightower do that, then I'm not bringing Kyle Van Noy back. I'm only bringing back one or the other. Um, so I don't know. We don't know what their plan is with Dante Hightower. Um, but as of right now, if Don- they're going to let Hightower walk and be done and he's going to retire, whatever the case may be, I'm down to bring Kyle Van Noy back on a veteran minimum kind of deal. Are you, quote-unquote, down to move on from both of them? Yes, I you sound hesitant. I, no, I I would say yes. I, I like the idea of having a veteran guy in here to show the new wave of linebackers the ropes when it comes to New England because this is a very different place than a lot of other teams across the NFL. Um, but I, I'm not like you know I'm not going to expect any of these guys to be playing more than fifty percent of the snaps. So I just I, I'm fine with if you want to just fully move on and and find your new guys and just throw them to the wolves in the first year and kind of let them find their footing. I'm okay with that. I can get behind that. Okay. Something else I wonder if you can get behind. the One of the talking points over the weekend early this week uh, was the idea, it was a loosely worded report that Bill Belichick might be open to calling plays on offense. Um, a, I think there's no chance it happens. B, I think it would be a terrible plan. I don't think it would work out for the totality of the team. C, I don't think it's really even a consideration. I think he's going to oversee the offense like he always has and maybe needs to have a little closer eye on Nick Cayley or Joe Judge or whoever the hell's calling plays. I just can't see Bill giving up his sort of overall umbrella view of the team to fixate on calling plays, something he's never done offensively, and then you know going over plays with Mac on the bench when he comes off the field. I just can't see that happening. But what were your thoughts on that, I guess, quote-unquote report that Belichick could call offensive plays? Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't like it. I, get an offensive coordinator. I just, <laughs> Belichick has always, has always and will always, in my mind, be a defensive coach. This is a guy who specializes in defense. He should be maximizing that ability because he's very friggin' good at it. And, and so to just get, all of a sudden want to call offensive plays, and let your son and Gerard Mayo, whoever it may be, take over on the defensive side of the football. It has me very hesitant. I don't. I don't think Belichick should be the one calling offensive plays, and he may be able to do it, and he may be very capable of doing it. I don't put that past Bill Belichick because, again, he is the greatest coach of all time. But I just, from the, at least from the outset, I don't. I don't love it. I would rather. I would rather you be the defensive coordinator calling defensive plays and have a guy taking care of your offense because I think there's I think right now you're seeing a new wave of a lot of young talented offensive minds pollute the NFL in good or bad terms uh however you view it as as a football fan and I think there's a lot of guys with potential out there I don't know if Nick Cayley's one of them he might be but I think you need to find one of those guys and give them an opportunity I wouldn't get your uh your blood pressure up over it I don't think there's any chance it happens yeah. it would stun me it stunned me if he were calling it just doesn't seem like a belichick thing to do and again i it's not even so much the actual job of calling the plays whether i I think he could i think he's a great coach i think he could coach any position on any side of the ball blah 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 yep i just like i don't see him giving up the control of the team yeah you know challenges hey hey bill you want to challenge this uh this call uh on defense uh what call i wasn't i was with mac like I don't I can't see him leaving those even though he has theoretically a strong coaching staff. I know you don't think much of it, but with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, former head coaches, they've overseen teams, that whole thing. I just don't see him leaving game management type decisions to others while he's focused on the offensive side of the ball. So, I wouldn't get too worried about it. 
Another question I wanted to, this wasn't actually on my rundown, just popped into my head from a talking point I had with Christian Fourier Ooh, uh, yesterday on the uh, Merlonian Fourier program. So Matt Patricia theoretically, reportedly going to have a role with offense, maybe the offensive line. And the interview with Nancy Meyer, who is the director of something, management, administrative, scouting, something. She's been in the uh, scouting department for like 40 years since yep. the 70s. Miss Nancy, right? You're the yes. one, yeah, you had mentioned her last week. Miss Nancy. Last week, yep. So the idea that she's working with, she said, her guy, Matt Patricia. Yep. Fourier is quite okay with Matt Patricia being the offensive line coach and if not the head of the personnel department, a a high-ranking official in the personnel department. I hate it. I hate the idea. I'm not sure how he could possibly do both jobs. You know, hasn't coached offensive line since 2005. So he's a newbie offensive line coach, and he's also going to, you know, wear two hats and be a significant voice or manager in the personnel department. Sounds like a terrible idea to me. I don't know what you think. I mean, this is an awful idea. What are we doing? Fourier was okay with it. Yeah, no, you should not be okay with this. This is ridiculous. You're the New England Patriots. Stop settling for mediocrity just because you've been spoon-fed championships your whole effing fandom. Stop wow. it. It's, I'm, I'm getting, Andy, I am getting so angry about all of this. I, I, keep, I feel like I'm beating my head against a wall talking to Patriots fans and people who just can't think clearly about this. It's, it's driving me up a wall. I don't, I just, I don't get what can people not see. Like there's so many question marks and so many issues with the with the roster and and the coaching staff and everything, but people are just gla- glazing over it. Like Tom Brady's still here, and that ah, don't worry about it. We'll still be in the playoffs. And like, we trust. I, I, it's, oh my, it's driving me insane. You don't trust Bill? You don't think Bill's the greatest of all I, time? Yeah, I he think. Can't do it. I think Bill's a great coach. But great coaches can still have bad years and have bad rosters and bad front offices and other coaches around them. Like, it's, I, it's, oh my god, it's just unbelievable to me that people are just okay with where we're at. They're fine with it. They don't question anything. And I just, I don't see, I don't see how that makes any sense to me. I agree. I mean, I question everything. That's just in my nature. I can't yeah. help it. I couldn't not do it, whether it's personally, professionally, sports world, business world, whatever. I question absolutely everything that goes on. It's why I cynically, hey, let's talk about one of the uh, trade possibilities, because that's next on my topic, is you know, Patriots are interested in the veteran wide receiver trade market, possibly. A couple of names came out. One of them was immediately crossed off the list, Calvin Ridley, because he is suspended for a year for gambling, uh, because he only gambled five times in November on an app that was traced by the NFL. Uh, if you believe that, I have a, a good NFT I'd like to sell you for $1 million. <laughs> Just let me figure out how to design it. Um, I, I don't necessarily buy that, but this moving on from that, and we don't need to get into the gambling aspect of that and players wanting to gamble, and Fourier think this is going to be a big deal in the next CBA and blah, 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 and overpunishment. But the idea that the Patriots are working the trade market for veteran receiver, I like it, obviously. We, we think they need receivers, see what's out there. I don't know how fruitful it'll be. Um, I have no interest in Robbie Anderson. I don't even really understand why he would make sense. The yep. only we talked last week about Nikhil Harry for Andy Isabella, right? Garbage for garbage trade. Yeah. If you could trade Nelson Aguilar for Robbie Anderson, I might consider it. Um, sure. Robbie Anderson, I think, has an eight million dollar salary guarantee for this year, cap number like twelve. So financially, it kind of makes sense and. If you feel like you're going to get the best of Robbie Anderson, I personally think the best of Robbie Anderson is better than the best of Nelson Aguilar. I think he's a better receiver. Um, Not coming off the best, but I don't know how he could be the best last year with Cam Newton and Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker and the debacle of of Carolina's offense. But what are your thoughts on the the trade market? And I'm going to throw it out there because I was touting this trade before the Russell Wilson trade, but now everybody's touting this trade. Would you give the 21st pick in the draft for DK Metcalf? I'm, I'm pondering your trade proposal first. Uh, how I feel about the veteran receiver trade market, uh, I, I, I like it, but unless it's a top 20 guy, I don't want to give up too many assets. Um, when I just think, I told you I was going to have a list for you, I am looking at a massive list of receivers over just the last three years who have all had relative to major impacts on their offenses 
um, that you can just find in the draft. Like, and, and this isn't just first round picks. This right. is second, third. I mean, the list go. I mean, Marquise Brown, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, even Michael Hartman. I guess you, you can have feel how you feel about him. Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, uh, Hunter Renfro, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., Lavishka Chenault, Chase, Ch- Chase Claypool, Van Jefferson, uh, Gabriel Davis. Jamar okay. Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, and, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, like, but my point is, is that they're just falling from the sky. But what about DeKalen, Zacharias, Metcalf? So, yeah, you proposed this trade. I, I mean, hmm. God forbid you'd want a guy that averages 15 yards a catch yeah. for his career, got 29 touchdowns in three seasons. I agree. My question is: Is does DK Metcalf fit the offense that you play? Because when I D- think he fits any offense. The only thing he doesn't do fit is a small suit. Dude's yoked. Yeah, dude is yoked. Don't get me wrong. I love DK Metcalf. I think he's doesn't awesome. sound like you love him. I do. I Aren't don't we know looking I... for a game-changing unicorn n- number one receiver? Yes, I don't yes. know that he fits the bill. What the hell are you talking about? I here's hear me out. What does he not do? My one fear of him is he's a diva. I think he's a little bit of a diva. There's definitely that diva. Yeah, but good receivers can be divas a little bit. That's okay. Yeah, I think it comes with the position. Yes, exactly. I mean, like look I've at Michael, said. Michael Irvin is one of, I love 100%. him. He's my favorite interview on WEI, and yet he he was absolutely a diva. He will tell you he was yes. a diva receiver. And like, and I like that because usually you're not a diva. I mean, there's examples of divas that don't deserve to be divas but you know why dk's a diva because he's um six foot four 235 pounds runs like a four three forty, can jump over you can run by you and has 29 touchdowns in three years in the national football league but he averages 10 touchdowns a season yes but what dk metcalf does best is down the field receptions yeah. i don't think that this offense is is this a mac thing not, partly, Mac yes. Mac can't get him the ball. It's partly a Mac thing. I don't, you don't think, think this... you could run some slants with DK Metcalf that Mac would love. Not, not nearly as well as you think you can. I, oh, I don't I think, think DK Metcalf is built for slant over the middle and then beat a guy. No, I don't need him over routes. the middle. Just a quick slant, then he turns it up the numbers and he's gone. He yeah. gone. I, I think uh, DK you hate Metcalf. DK, huh? No, I love DK, yeah, but he doesn't, doesn't sound like fit, love. He doesn't fit this offense, Andy. I'm sorry, he just doesn't. So then it's, what are you looking for in a receiver? I want someone I want you need someone Keenan Allen esque. You need someone that can create space. You need a Kyrie Irving of football. You need yeah. a guy who can make his own shot on any given play. I think DK would change the offense and I think he would make I not only do I think he produces, but I think he would make talk about giving Kendrick Bourne room to work, making life easier for Jacoby Myers, the tight ends. I think he would be a transformational asset. My question is a, I don't know what Seattle's doing. Yeah, I don't do know I. if they're blowing it up, rebuilding, collecting assets, or they have a QB plan and they're still looking to win on the fly here while utilizing the the draft picks and the talent that they got from uh, the Broncos. So, because... not to interrupt you, but I think Tyler Lockett would be a better fit in this offense than DK Metcalf. Yeah, I do too. But he makes a boatload. They're not going to take a thirty-one million dollar cap hit to trade him. Yeah, but also you're probably going to have to trade more than just the 21st overall pick for a guy still on his rookie contract like DK Metcalf. Yeah, I don't know. One year left. Are they going to give him big money? Are they going to franchise him? What are they doing? You give See, him a first round. Seattle traded two first round picks for Jamal Adams. They're not going to take one first round pick for DK Metcalf in a league a that's in, in a league that's showing you that Dirty. essential or like legitimate receiver talent is essential to a team's success. Yeah, but you just told me anyone can get it. What did uh? What did the uh, Vikings trade uh, Stephon Diggs for? Uh, a first, a third, and a fifth. Right. So you trade a first-round pick and draft a receiver if you want one. Reset the clock on your financial timetable. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to throw something in. Probably be a player. Patriots don't have a ton of picks. I don't know if I want to unload all my picks. Maybe first in Nikhil Harry. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. No, I've heard first in Nikhil Harry. I've heard first in Chase Winovich. First and... Um, Yadni Kajust, and I'm like... All the players you don't want that... Right. Oh, yeah, definitely other teams tra- will want. That's not how trades work. You no. have to give them something they'd want. Like when, like when they traded for Russell Wilson, you want to know what they gave up? They gave up Noah Fant, who's a legitimate tight end talent. They right. gave up Shelby Harris, who's a legitimate defensive right. line talent. Like Now, if I'm Seattle, I'd say, okay, I'll take 21 and Mondre Stevenson. 
And if I'm yes. the Patriots, I'd say no. If I'm if I'm Seattle, I would do that. Now, um, if I'm the Patriots, maybe I go back and say 21 and, and Damian Harris. Damian Harris, because it's now we're trading each other end of rookie contract players. Now and Mondre's the future. Now, now I can have a discussion. I like the idea of Metcalf if he's available. Again, I don't know if he's available. I don't know if this is just a pipe dream and and they're looking to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or you know, they're just <laughs> trying to win on the fly. You know, they're going to go get no Carson idea. Wentz. So um, others that because the the issue I have is most of the guys on the trade market or the availability market I don't want because I'm looking for a number one. I'm yep. looking for an alpha exactly. So going to get. You know, would Cole Beasley make the Patriots better? Would Robbie Anderson make the Patriots better? Maybe, marginally. Is he a number one? Does he change the offense? Does he take Mac Jones to the next level? Say, nope. like, I'm going to make you an elite. So, I don't know. You know, that Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker. There's good receivers that might be had via trade. I just don't know that they really, like, take your offense or your quarterback to the next level. Yeah, I just don't think there's many guys. Even, like, Amari Cooper's name is out there, and, and he's going to be a free agent. He's not, he not You don't even have to trade for him. And I just I don't know that I want to pay him all that much money. Like, I think he's good, but do I think he's going to help Mac transcend? I don't think he's Stephon Diggs good. So it's like it, it, it's really hard because you need some you need a legitimately top – 20 top 15 receiver talent. You need somebody freaking special. Like and DK. Sure. I, I, I guess I don't think the DK is that special. I think he's really good, and he was really good in this offense playing on the opposite side of Tyler Lockett with one of the, like you said, a top five legitimate Hall of Fame quarterback. But I just, nah, I don't know. Okay, we can agree to disagree on that one. I'd take DK Metcalf in a heartbeat. Your jersey sales would be great. Jeez, training camp, the buzz when he takes his shirt off and he flexes his abs. <laughs> that'd be ladies. that'd be awesome. I would like actually that. not just for the ladies, for the ladies and the men. The men are like, damn, I wish I looked like that. And the ladies don't get me like, wrong. If the Patriots traded for DK Metcalf, he would immediately be my favorite player on the team. I love this guy. <laughs> I just don't think he fits the team, and I don't. I, yeah, I just don't think he fits this this offense. Do you haven't because the Amari Cooper thing? I know who was it? Uh, Riddick yep. said like he'd be the perfect fit for the Patriots. Uh, yes, he for did. Marriage. Like, at what cost are, are we invest? Because I, I heard I, I heard rumors that he was going to get a contract similar to what he got already. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's a first of all. I don't know that they can even do that. I mean, it's the salary cap. If you want to, you can move things around, make it happen. But I don't really want to to want to do that to commit to him. I'm also. I'm weird on Amari Cooper. I actually don't think he's that good. I don't think he's truly elite. No, I don't but... either. And that's that's my thing. Like I think he's good. I don't think he's great. He is a top tier number two receiver. He is not a premier number one receiver. Yeah, I think he's probably a second tier one, um, more than a two. But I also I I can't discount the way that Dak Prescott was struggling and Amari Cooper arrived and it changed everything. Amari Cooper That's fair. lifted Dak Prescott and the Cowboys offense to the next level. And I don't know if that's just circumstantial. Like, I'm not going to pretend I broke down every play, every week, game plans, defenses. No, I know what you mean, though. But it happened. Like, it it happened. Yeah. And could he do that in New England? with a? Now, it's not the same thing. You know, the, the quarterback's probably not as good. The running back's probably not as good. The offensive line at the time probably – actually, the offensive line now is decent. But I just – I'm not – I wouldn't get all hot and bothered if they got Cooper. I think I'd actually be like, eh, you paid too much. I think you're going to regret that. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I just I – don't, I don't think he's worth the money. That's kind of what it boils down to for me. So do you have a veteran target? <sighs> not really. Uh, not 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 a realistic one. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really – and that's another reason why I'm just like, I kind of want to push it off till 2023. I'd rather take my shot in the draft – Take a guy like a Jamison Williams or a, a, what is it? Garrett Wilson is the Ohio State one, or a Chris yep. Olave if he's present. Uh, you know, if you get lucky enough to to get Traylon Burks, like not Drake London. I like him. I kind of really like Drake London yeah, again. Kind of falling in love with him. Like I said, a very Keenan Allen esque guy in my opinion. But he's also a Patriot guy that he moves all over the offense too. You, but that's but that's that's why I I think people get the wrong idea when I say the name Keenan Allen. People just think, oh, he's going to catch a crap load of balls. Keenan Allen can play outside the numbers. He can play in the slot. He runs every route known to man. Like I, Keenan, Keenan Allen, in my opinion, is one of the more underrated receivers in football. I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he is. Um, 
And, and so, like, I, I, when I say that, like, I think this is uh, high praise, very high praise. So when we, uh, as we start to wrap this up, because I know our new boss likes to keep these podcasts to a limited time, and I don't know if you're getting evil eyes from anybody in the studio who wants you out the studio. No, not, um, not today. Oh, good. We started a little earlier, too, so we can get a little buffer. Um, so when we next meet uh, next week, a week from now, we will be right on the cusp. I got my dates right. Today's the 8th, right? What's today's date? Today's the 9th. So free agency will start next week. The tampering window starts the 14th and the 16th at 4 o'clock. Release the hounds! <laughs> what do you think? Because I think it's going to be utterly disappointing for Patriots. I think they need to go back to their old school of like, huh, everybody else is signing people and we're going to wait till next week. And, well, at least they announced that they re-signed Ted Karras on a two-year deal. Like, Oh, yeah. Don't, I just, I, I, my, I'm under the impression, don't expect anything on the first day of free agency. You're not going to get a Stephon Gilmore. You're not going to get, uh, you're not going to have a Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Matt Judon, Jalen Mills all on day one. Like, you're going to get one or two guys, and it's going to come after the first couple days. I, and that might be okay. That yep. might be the best long-term decision, not to do something crazy, rash, fill one hole, and then be like, son of a bitch, there's still a lot of holes in this dike up here. Because um, I've made the comparison. You know how it's been sexy for about a year now to compare these Patriots to the 2001 Patriots? Yep. And Tom Brady and Bill. Well, the way that team built in the early 2000s was a lot of lower price free agents. They threw Kmart, I think they actually called them blue light special was the phrase people were using in 2001. Kmart free agents that, oh, we signed, you know, 13 guys for X amount of dollars and they're all going to compete for various jobs. And some of them really worked out. The Mike Vrabels, the Larry Izzos, the Roman Pfeiffers. The one difference that I keep bringing up is if they do take that approach now and they just sign, we need eight guys. They're all going to be mid to lower level guys, but we're going to sign all these guys that group joined a group that also already included Ty Law, Willie McGinnis, Teddy Bruschi, Ted Johnson, like Lawyer Malloy. There was already an established Pro Bowl presence, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that they could take a similar approach now as they build around a young quarterback. Okay, we're in this for the long haul. We need to strengthen the core of our team. But the payoff might not be quite as immediate or as good. Agreed. Wow. Wow. That was a succinct response. Yeah. It's, uh, anything it's... else? Oh, wait. We got to get to know Shime before we move on. Yes, we do. So getting to know Shime. Shime, what's your, um, give me a snippet, quick background from high school through you got to EEI. Uh, okay, so I went to BC High, so I went to private high school. Oh, um, excuse me. Yep, fancy, Quite fancy over here. Uh, well, when I was a kid, I was—I didn't have a ton of friends, to be completely honest. I was a bit, <laughs> of, I was a bit of a nerd uh, as a child, and you so were? I felt it was or more are. appropriate for me to go and get a fresh start at a new high school. Uh, and I have—were you bullied? No, no, no. I wasn't bullied. I was too fat to be bullied. I would just—I oh, okay. would kick the crap out of everybody. Okay. Um, but uh, I just I just didn't have a ton of friends. That's all. And um, I was I'm not gonna. This is not a flex. It's not a brag. I was just really I was a bright kid. I was much brighter then than I am now. Uh, Aren't we all? Me too. And I I, I I have a record for like the highest entrance exam score at the school. But that's neither here nor there. So excuse it was, so me. It was a lot cheaper. You're to You're like go that there punter that aced the wonder look at the pond the combine. The yeah, guy from Harvard or whatever. Exactly. So what it was a lot easier for me to go there financially because they cost me less money. Um, but regardless of that. Uh, so I went to BC High. Uh, I played football there. I actually played baseball, and then I played volleyball. Fun fact about me: I'm a volleyball guy, big fan. So um, you wore tight, tight shorts. Yeah, definitely. And I was a libero, so I got a different colored jersey. I don't even know what that means. Exactly. Libero? Yes, it's a defensive specialist. So you literally only play defense because I don't. Uh, again, hefty guy. I don't jump. Uh, at least I don't jump well. So you don't put me up at the net. Instead, you and I'm not like super tall either. I'm only five eleven. Um, so you put me in the back because I had I have decent reflexes and I'm not afraid to get down and dirty and dig the ball out. I so, didn't even know that was a thing. So you came on the court when the other team was serving and then would leave when you served? Yes. Yeah, uh, no. So I would. So what happens is is your middle blocker basically is in the front and in the back. So you have basically two middle blockers, right? And yep. so when you're when the middle blocker rotates to defense, I take his spot for his entire defensive run, and then. 
when the other uh, middle blocker comes back, he serves, and he stays on the court until his serve is over, and the other team gains possession of the ball, and then I come on the court to take his position, play his entire defensive rotation, and then we switch out again. So it's the one player in all of volleyball that can freely switch into the game uh, without making like a full-on substitution. Okay. So there you go. Uh, but then I went to UConn for a little bit. Uh, I probably was drinking too much and partying way too much, so I stopped going to UConn for a little bit, started working in a warehouse, went back to school, got my associates, went to Bridgewater State, uh, then kept working in a warehouse, had no clue what the hell I wanted to do with my life. I thought I was going to be an English teacher. Um, and then, what, what was that? Me too. Oh, yeah. I, 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 love, I love Shakespeare. I'm a big, I'm a, I, I enjoy reading. I'm one of those kind of nerds. And um, I thought I wanted to study Renaissance literature, uh, further in college, and then I just I was like working in a warehouse. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to do that, uh, and then I heard Connecticut School of Broadcasting ads on the radio. I ended up going um, because I was like, I've always wanted to work in sports. I always, when I was a kid, I admired Chris Berman. I thought that was the funnest segment. <laughs> yeah, and you know the two minute drill, I loved. Yep. And so he was kind of one of the inspirations for me as a kid. And I just always thought appearance wise, I was never going to be put in front of a camera. And then I never really ever thought of radio until CSB. I went to CSB, graduated, came here uh, as an intern, and uh, I've been here ever since. I've been here now. It'll be five years come April. Wow. Yep. It's quite a story. Yeah. So volleyball, Renaissance literature, drinking at UConn. Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I try to be a well-rounded individual, Andy. Yeah, took a bit of a serpentine route to your very much so. I, I just I was I, I was very much I was one of those people who was very much into kind of finding yourself, finding who you are. I did when I was in high school, especially, and even into college. Uh, I did a lot of service, community service stuff, um, and so I was very much a, a, an introspective person in that regard um, to kind of you know be happy with myself later in life because a lot of people have no clue who they are even by the time they turn 40 because they're too busy doing other things and so it took me a little bit to get where i am but i'm here now uh stock seems to be rising which is nice now an executive producer at the station excuse me so you know exactly i'm now a co-host of the off day podcast with yourself with a big wig like you and uh so you know so (laughs) so so that's uh that's that's the life story for you look at the uh depth of uh personality and interest that you uh can find when you just ask a simple question how'd you get here who are you right and we found out that chris scheim is not just a uh, football dork he's a real world dork too can and, confirm uh, and uh, i can appreciate that that was the uh that was the best of the what three or four that we've had getting to know chris scheim i like that i even learned something about volleyball not sure it's going to stick but i believe my daughter is planning on playing high school volleyball so maybe that'll oh. pay off that little cliff's notes version you gave me when i go to watch some of those games when she gets there in a couple of years But that's going to put the wraps on another off-day podcast. J.C. Jackson is not franchised. J.C. Jackson could be on his way out the door, could be getting, I don't know, 90 or $100 million in a new landing spot. Patriots are sniffing around wide receivers. They talk to the receivers at the Combine. They're sniffing around veterans for potential trades. And I would say the Patriots' challenge of being a playoff team in the AFC got a lot more difficult with Russell Wilson coming to the conference So we hope you enjoyed the latest edition here, and we would ask you to subscribe. Go on the Odyssey podcast, Odyssey app, download that to get us. Go to your Apple store, leave a review, and let everybody know that we're uh, great if you think we're great. And if you hate us, well, please don't tell everybody (laughs) you hate us. Just keep your mouth shut. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. We appreciate the support. Yes, we appreciate your support. We appreciate you listening. And we will be back next week for free agency hell yeah baby you've been listening to the off day podcast with andy hard and chris shine on weei.com and the odyssey app